Hey everybody, thank you for being with us today for an online gathering. So who would have thought we'd be back to video, but we're back for a couple weeks here. Thank you for your flexibility. And I love that we have the chance to meet like this um, and to still get to have a gathering regardless of what weather looks like or conditions. And we're excited for October 4th. We get to move to an indoor gathering, which is gonna be awesome to have again, that place that we can meet in the sanctuary, to be back together as a family. And then as we move into winter, we won't have to worry about weather and conditions outside. So please mark your calendars for October 4th. Know that we're going to be indoors then at 1800 Hoskins Street. Pumped to see you guys there. And we get to continue in our vision series. As you guys know, for the last couple weeks, we've started in this vision series, taking the time as we come up to our church's anniversary to kind of look back and see where we've been, see what we're built on, and also look forward and see what vision God is giving for the future. This is such a fun time as a church. And this year especially, we're gonna go through all 10 of our core values as a church, which is so fun. And you're gonna get to hear from a bunch of different leaders, um, from our elder team and our teaching team and getting to just come together and really get to share the heart of these core values and how they've impacted us um, and how we hope that they will impact us as a church family. So today we start on that journey. We start with that first core value. And these are so special because I've never been a part of a church who has the core values built out like this. Alex and Jake and Andoni, as they came together and started this church, um, were able to pull these core values from, you guys have probably heard a lot of this story. And if not, go back to the first vision series that we did and kind of hear the whole story from Alex. But these values came out of um, work with the youth team that was at Bridgetown and then put together by that team of the people who founded this church. And we really get to have clarity around what it looks like to not just to be a part of the Saints Hill family. As you guys probably know, a lot of churches have a statement of belief where it's like, this is what we believe about God. This is what we believe about the Bible. This is what we believe about heaven and hell, a variety of things. We have that too as a church. If you go to our website, it's there. Um, we align with the Lucent Covenant as well. But this is different, it takes it like a step further. These core values are not only just, hey, these are things that we believe, but that these are things that we, we take to our core, that we embody, that these are truths that change the way we live. That as your leadership, we're saying that these 10 core values are our vow to you, that we are going to shape our lives by these, that as our church moves, that this is kind of our, what we look at of how we wanna move forward, of what we wanna build, of where we wanna go, that these 10 core values are shaping your leadership, it's shaping where Saints Hill is gonna go. And that they're kind of our true north as a church to be like, okay, what are we doing? Where are we going? Wait, let's come back. Does it align with these 10 core values, these things that we feel God has given us to really carry as our own, that they're gonna be our gift to give. What, what these values manifest is our gift to give away to the world, to give away to our city, to give away to the people around us. So they are, they're so important for our church family. And so we're really excited to spend the time to go through them. And if you have been a part of the Saints Hill family, it's time to like go back and remember these values and look at them and say, oh yeah, I believe this. Let me hold this. Let me live this. It cause, These values cause a decision of I'm going to see this truth and I'm gonna decide, is this where I'm gonna go with my life? If I'm holding these as a core value, what will my life look like? And I mean, these values are so, so good. If you guys, I mean, look at these. We have, I have all 10 of them here on the cards, which you guys can get when you come on October 4th. But we have values like God is good. We have the scriptures are authoritative and tell us truth that brings freedom that Jesus is Lord, that we have a privilege of leaving a legacy of heaven to the next generation, that nothing is impossible, that 
we're the righteousness of God. We're people filled with hope and joy that we celebrate every person by creating an environment of honor, that the church is a family that builds families, that we have the privilege of hosting the Father's presence. And I mean, I look at these and I read these and I go back to these, but at the same time, I'm like, these are like too good. This is that kind of truth that's like, it seems too good to be true. And what's so beautiful about where we're going in this vision series is that we're gonna take time with each of these values to not just be like, yeah, this is really good truth, but let's also look at the scriptures. Let's look at what's around us and see why this truth that's so good is also so true. And we get the opportunity to live these out. We get the opportunity as kingdom people to all of those that we just listed to come and say like, this is what life with God is. That his truth is way sweeter than the world's possibilities. That a lot of those values you'd look at and be like, that's imp it's impossible. But God's truth is so much better, so much sweeter. And God does things that most people are like too good to be true and he just calls them the way it should be. And so what we're saying as we go through these core values is that this is the way the life of the believer should look. This is the way that we as believers wanna look at Saints Hill. And this is the way, the direction we're going, the things that we are going after. So I hope that you guys are as excited about these weeks as I am. And I'm excited to dive into the first value with you today, which is God is good. This is such a foundational value because it's saying that we trust the character of God as laid out by the scriptures. That when we say God is good, it's saying we believe who he has said that he is to be. And I have to stop for a second here and just say how cool it is as a church to be so dedicated to the leading of the spirit. I I know that our, our, t our elder team and when these teaching schedules are put together, there's so much just surrender of like, God, where are you going? Okay, that's where we're gonna go. Oh, the Lord is telling us to go a different direction. We're gonna switch gears. Even with um, this vision series and seeing how like, you guys know, our schedule has changed. We've canceled a gathering because of fires and we've moved different formats, but today we land on this value that God is good. And I can't think of any better place to go looking back over these last couple weeks. And I mean, I guess months that we've had of there's been so much frustration. There's been like pandemics and fires and unrest and all these different things that we're seeing around us in our world, but that we would come together this Sunday and focus on God is good. And God is good is not just a platitude. It's not something that we just say back and forth to each other because it's like, well, we like follow Jesus. So yeah, God is good all the time. God is good, which actually that's pretty fun to do, but that's not all that we're saying. It's not just something that you throw out there because you don't have anything else to say, but God is good is a core value on which we can stake our trust, even during the ugliest of times. It's this unshakable truth about the character of God and that we follow, we follow him. We believe him and it shapes how we engage with and what we believe about moments like now. So believing in God's character is gonna shape not only what we think and what we believe, but how we respond. And before we get to the text for today, I also wanna take a moment and talk about that word good. Um, you guys know we use the word good to mean a variety of things that I can say like, oh, I ate this burger and it was good, meaning like it was kind of okay, not like my favorite ever. Or I can eat a burger and be like, oh my gosh, it was so good, 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 good. And I probably loved that burger. So we have this range of variety in what good means. And I mean, it's the same when we see it in the Bible. There's this range 
of meaning, a spectrum of meaning. Um, but I would argue that the good that we use kind of doesn't have the fullness or get to the level of beauty as we see it used in Hebrew and Greek language. And I am by no means a word expert or a language expert. So I'm super thankful for people that have put in the work and let us know the meaning behind the words that we see in the Bible. But so when we see good in the scriptures, when it's translated into English, and the Old Testament usually comes from the word um, tov, which can mean, it can mean a possession of desirable qualities, it can mean moral excellence, it can mean kind, benevolent, it can mean this fullness, this completion, it can mean that there's a lacking of nothing. And so when we see that picture of good, when we see tov, it's this picture of just absolute beauty, of something like so good that gives us pleasure, that makes us happy, that is moral, that is upstanding. Um, and in the New Testament, you can also see the word good. Usually when it's translated, it's coming from two different words, um, agathos and kalos. Um, agathos means moral or quality, and kalos is beautiful, pleasing, noble, worthy. So when we're saying good, we're not just saying not bad or okay, or even like the range of when we use good, of like, oh, I loved it, it was awesome. We're looking at the word good and it means this whole spectrum of meaning for when we say God is good, that he is beautiful, that he is complete, that he is full of goodness, that he brings pleasure, that he brings joy. It's this, and I'm not even covering the full range of the word, but as you guys can see, we need to, before we step into talking more about this, to really expand our definition, expand what we're thinking, that when we approach and we say God is good, we are saying God is the giver of pleasure. He is the definer of every perfect thing. He is the most beautiful thing we could think and then better, God is good. So hold that expansive definition and now we're gonna move into our text. So turn with your Bibles, um, turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 27. So in Psalm 27, we're gonna join one of the biblical authors that we all we all know pretty well. Um, we actually spent a while as a church talking about this biblical author, we're gonna take a look at David. And so David in Psalm 27, he, I love to look at this Psalm because I think David is coming from this place of he held that core value. He held that God is good and it changed his perspective. It changed the way he thought. And we don't know exactly when this Psalm was written. It doesn't really tell us, but we do know by language that we see in the Psalm that there's a being pursued by enemies. There's a shut out of the house of the Lord, parting from father and mother, subjected to slander. And these phrases kind of point us to a time in David's life when um, Doeg the Edomite, he spoke against him to Saul. So what we see from this psalm when we read it is we're going to see this hope in the middle of trial and that this hope is founded on David's belief in the goodness of God. So let's read the full psalm together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. From the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. 
My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. I think we see here in the text David's response to pain and that his response to pain can be hope because he holds that core value that God is good. What we believe about God's goodness, it will shape us one way or another. Those who will take God at his word, um, that's what it will look like to be shaped by the value God is good. So when we read Psalm 27, what does it look like to be shaped by that value? What does it look like to be a person who holds God is good at the core, who holds his confidence in God's character at the core. And I think in verse one, where he says, the Lord is the light of my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, whom shall I be afraid? That's a verse that's just shouting to that confidence, that to hold God is good as a core value looks like confidence in God's character. There's this real response in David's life that's based off the character of God. So what he believes about God has shaped his response to the world around him. So although maybe the world around me looks crazy, oh, I know the Lord is the light of my salvation. I believe him, so I'm not going to fear anybody. Oh, like I believe the Lord is my stronghold, so I'm not going to fear. He has a confidence in God's character that shapes how he lives, that shapes what he expects. And it's what we believe about God's goodness that will shape how we respond in life whether we respond to him or to circumstance. When I believe that God is truly good, when I believe that he is better than I could even think, it's gonna shape my response to disaster. Think of a time like now. It could easily be a response of panic, but in light of God's goodness, our response gets to be hope because I have confidence in God's character. I see the world with him in mind. When I believe that God is truly good, I also have a joy in obedience. It's going to mean that um, we know his character. So I'm not thinking like, oh, I'm going to give up the things or I'm going to take this move and be obedient, God, just because I like we want to be obedient for his glory. But we're not just saying, oh, I just want to like appease or I want to make amends to you, God. Um, no, God is so good that it means that obedience, when we trust that he's that good, our obedience means, God, I trust that you are so good and that you have my good in mind, that like I'm not giving up for the sake of giving up. I'm letting go the things that are sin. I'm letting go the things you don't have for me to find joy and obedience because I know that you are a good God who gives good things. So when we believe in what God, that God is good, it also means that we have confidence that how God defines goodness is the truth about goodness. So that when God's saying, hey, I have good for you, if it looks different than what we're holding on to is our good, we let it go. We say, God, I trust your definitions. Uh, Bill Johnson in his book, God is Good, recommended read for this topic. It's in the title. Um, he says this, my faith can go only where I have understanding of his goodness. Our willingness to obey, our willingness to ask for big things, our, our partnership, with him, it will only go so far as I understand how good that he is, that I let that, that I let that belief sink and control the way that I react. I um, think back to when I was, I was living in Eugene before I married my husband, Tyler, and we were 
we were engaged and it was coming to that that point um, where it was, okay, we're gonna get married and I'm gonna move to Portland. I knew that our marriage was something that the Lord held that he wanted, um, that like I wanted, that Tyler wanted, that we were we were moving into. But thinking about that move to Portland, I was feeling so defeated. In Eugene, I had, I was like working next to my best friends. I lived with people that I loved. I got to work a job that was awesome. I got to develop worship programs and work with youth. And I was just, I got to be a part of a church that I felt like I had a really good community there. Um, and all of it was really hard to give up because I think as I was thinking about leaving, I was like, I'm never going to have something like this again. It was almost this feeling of like, okay, God, I'm going to give this up. And then just like my course is going to be totally different. I'll just get, I'll have something different. It'll look different and maybe I'll be bummed on it, but I'm going to suck it up and do it. So we're going to go. And I had a job lined up in Portland, um, just in a completely different field and getting to, I was like, okay, I'll leave basically like leave that occupational ministry and be like, I'll never have that again. Cause how could I? So I come to Portland and I'm living here and Saints Hill has been this constant reminder to me of how good God's plans can be. I think that getting to be a part of this family, there has been um, so much more freedom. I again get to work with people that I love. We have a community of people who is amazing. Some of like my best friends also getting just you guys as a church, you are amazing. Like people that I talk to you guys, even people that I barely know, and I'm like, you have a heart for the kingdom and you have a heart for the kingdom and you have a heart for the kingdom. And there's something so special about this family that when I stop and I think about it, I'm like, God, you put me in a place in a job that I get to work at a church where I get to like see freedom and see people finding freedom and get to just do the things that you've equipped me to do. I like, I could not even imagine it being better than this. And so I'm like, God loves to do that, to just like blow our minds with look how how much good I had in store for you. And so when I think about obedience, it's almost like I can think back on that story and be like, God, anywhere that you say go, I'm gonna go. Because I wanna trust that you are so good that you have good things in store for your people. And that's like, that's a joy of obedience. That's saying, oh, whatever God asks, it's like, it's nothing because I know that what he has in store is so good. I know that he is so good and I just want him. I want to be where he is. I want to do what he's doing. I want to be by his side. You guys have heard us say it before, but what we believe about God, it really is the most important thing about us because when we believe God is good, it defines our reality. To hold God as good as a core value is to say that we put full trust in God's character, that we don't respond to circumstances, but we respond to him and we walk as people with confidence. The next verse I wanna look at is verse four. It says, one thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To hold God as good as a core value is to hunger for God's presence. When we believe that God is good, we believe that what happens when we get around him is good too. We long to get in his presence. And like you guys have heard Alex say before, the right things live and the wrong things die away in his presence. It's a people that know God in this way who will run to him in tragedy and not away from him. That where his presence is, it reminds us of what's true about him and about the world and about us. And we can bring our loss and we can be met with him, with compassion, with hope, with a revised idea of what reality looks like because he's speaking it over us. Think about a good father. His children run to him when they're scared, when they're confused, when they're not sure what to do. And that's that's our father. 
He is so good in inviting us to run to him. And that's why worship is actually such a natural and freeing response for the child of God when there's grief or there's loss. That, that worship is actually like how we are geared to respond to these times of turmoil, to times where we like, when we feel at loss. Because even if we're angry at God or we're wrestling with God, to ask for his presence because we believe in his goodness is to step into a space where we will get to respond to him instead of responding to our tragedy. We will get to respond to what his spirit is doing instead of responding to necessarily how we feel. And we were made to grieve like that, to come, to lay it before him, that worship would be that place where we get to align with him, where he shares our grief, he shares our sorrow, and we get to see him for who he is. But it takes us trusting that God is good to be willing to step into his presence when we're, when we're feeling that kind of loss, that kind of tragedy. And you guys, we were made for his presence, created to walk with him from the very beginning. So he's inviting us moment by moment to experience his fullness, to experience his goodness. He is in it with you. He is in life with you. He is walking with you. And his presence is so good that when we sit in it, we're met with everything he holds. The atmosphere shifts. Things change when we just get with him. Uh, the other night, my husband Tyler and I, we came home and it had been one of those days where we just, it was a bad day. We came home, we were feeling defeated. We were feeling kind of angry. We were feeling, yeah, just not good. And I think I was kind of, we were walking around the house and I was kind of just being really negative, talk, like, I don't know, talking in no, no way that was productive. And Tyler sat in our living room. He said, can we just listen to one worship song before we eat dinner? And I was like, okay, one song. And then I'm going to go back to dinner, back to being mad, went and sat on the couch with them. And as we started to worship, as we spoke about what was true about God, as we invited his presence to come into our home, sure enough, the environment of our living room, it shifted. The way I was thinking, it shifted. It was not even that like anything about my day changed, but I was able to see again, God for who he is and what he said about me, to invite him into that space with me. And so we were able to come out of that moment and actually pray for, for even bigger things. It was almost like what had happened felt kind of small. So I was like, oh, God has actually bigger vision for us. So we were able to pray together for bigger things. It opened up a moment of dreaming and what had felt like a moment of loss. And that's what God's presence does. It invites us to bigger and better things. It invites us to shift our perspectives. It invites us to see him. And there's nothing better that we could see. As a people who hold that God is good as a core value, we will run to his presence. We'll be hungry for his presence in all circumstances. And I encourage you this evening, even if it's not the place that you want to go, wherever you're coming from, step into his presence. Let his goodness do its work. Let him do his work. Let him be with you, sit with you, decide to choose to be with him. As I wrote this teaching, the songs, King of My Heart and Goodness of God, they were just like coming on as I was writing. And I was like, these are great songs to sit and declare just this value in worship. But whatever you sing, however you enter into his presence, go there because he's going to be, he's going to meet you and be better than you expect. So go run to him because the people who believe that God is good will run to his presence. They're hungry for his presence. So let's stay hungry for his presence. Because the more that we see of him, the more we get of him, we're gonna realize that that is the very best place to be, is just with him. In verses 10 and 11, uh, David says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. 
Teach me in your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. The person who holds God is good as a core value will give credit where credit is due. God is not the oppressor. He is the liberator. God will not forsake me. He will receive me. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God gets the credit for every good and every perfect gift, for every good thing. He is a father giving good gifts to his children. When we see something beautiful, it is by the hand of God. When we see something righteous, it is by the hand of God. When we see something in line with heaven, it is in line with his intentions, and he gets glory. And we don't give credit to God for moves of the enemy. He can have credit for those. 1 John 3.8 says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The devil's the one who's been sinning from the beginning. He is the one seeking to kill and destroy. And Jesus is the one who came to destroy his works, to destroy evil things, to see heaven come to earth. In John 10, 10, we read, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We don't give God credit for works of the thief. Jesus made his intentions clear. He is a life giver. We also don't give God credit for the impacts of sin, for the choices that we've made when we choose sin, when our hearts sin. Mark 7, 20 through 23 I know it's a lot of scripture, but I think it's important that we, we back this up with what the scriptures are saying. Um, it says, he went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly, a lot of bad things. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. There are sins of the heart. There are sins that we choose the inner things that defile and destroy. And what it does when we hold God's goodness as core, when we give him credit where credit is due, and we know that sin is a destroyer, the enemy is a destroyer, that God is actually coming to defeat the things that have been done, the brokenness that's been caused by those things. When we hold his goodness at core and we understand this about God, it actually pushes us to prayer. It pushes us to partner with him because we say, oh God, we can see what you want and that this is not what you want. We can see your intention laid out in the scripture that you wanna see heaven come to earth. When we see destruction, when we see the things around us, even now, COVID, wildfires, when we see anything that doesn't fit the character of God, we can know where it comes from and we can pray for heaven to come to earth in partnership with God himself. You see, what we believe about God matters because if we don't believe that he is good, if we believe that heaven, if we don't believe that heaven is his intention, we can sit and we can watch the world crumble without taking any ownership because we can sit back and say, well, this is how it is. This must be what God wanted. But for those who believe that God is good, they will be pushed to contend for his way in a world that is broken. When we give credit where credit is due, we will be a people of prayer who see the work of the enemy, who see the destruction of sin, and we run to God asking that he would work things for good as he said that he would. This truth means that we will be a people who ask, who seek, who wrestle with God even over the pain, injustice, and tragedy we see in the world. But it will not in no way leave us apathetic because the goodness of God is inviting us to be partners. 
to mind us be partners in heaven come. Look at verse 13 and 14. It says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Those who hold a value of God's goodness will have peace in God's intentions. The ability that David has here to have confidence in the future, to have confidence that like, oh no, I'm gonna see God's goodness, not just once my life is over, but now in the land of the living, it comes from the surety in God's intentions. We can look at God's past intentions towards us. We can go all the way back to Eden. We can see that God's intent was for us to walk with him, to create us into a world where we could be partners, co-heirs, to get to create and rule and reign and walk with him in the cool of the day. That his intention was to be with us. In confidence, we can look back and say, oh, that's what God's intention has always been, our good and intimacy with him. We can look at his intention for our life today, at his words and toward the life of Jesus, that even when sin and evil sought to destroy God's original goodness, Jesus came that intimacy could be restored. Jesus came that we might see goodness here and now still. John 12, 45 says, Jesus is speaking and says, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. When we see Jesus, we see the Father, and we also see his intentions towards us. What did Jesus go around doing? He went around doing good. He was showing people their identity. He was healing people. He was bringing hope to hopeless situations. And he, spoke, he was speaking truth, truth that brought life. And not only that, but God's intention is that it would happen through us today. That same thing. He says, oh, the things Jesus did, you will do them too. So his intention is, even like what Laura was talking about earlier, is that good would flow out of our lives because the Spirit lives in us. So we know that his intentions for us now are good. We also know that God's future intentions towards us are good. Revelation 21, 3 through 5 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. His intentions for our future are so, so good. He has beauty in store for his people. So whether we look at the past, we look at the present, or we look at the future, God is consistently after the good of his people. God is consistently after intimacy. He's consistently wanting to be near to his people, to reveal his goodness to them, to bring heaven to his people. And so that is why we too can say, like David, I will remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Because he always has been, he is, and he always will be good. He will always be after intimacy with his people, making things beautiful, making things complete. God is good, and when we hold that as core, when we trust his character beyond circumstance, we will see him for who he is. We will see heaven come because it's what happen when we get, happens when we get near to a God who is this good. We will have confidence in his character, we'll hunger for his presence, we'll give credit where credit is due, and we'll have peace in his intentions towards us, peace for the future. And if all that feels too good to be true, well, it is too good and it's also 
too true. If we run to the scriptures, we run to what we know to be true about God, he is teaching our family what it looks like to understand that he is better than we think. When we get in his presence, he's teaching us what it looks like to say, oh my gosh, God, you are so much better than I even thought that you were. He wants to reveal himself, that our lives would be defined by holding his goodness, by holding this trust in his character as a core value of our lives. Now, if you guys know our church, you know that um, for each of these core values, we also have a declaration. The purpose of the declaration is to declare the truth about who God is and also what it looks like when our lives are defined by this truth, what our response looks like as a people who carry this as a truth of our life, as a core value. I come back to these declarations so often and I encourage you, they're, they're on our app, or when you come on October 4th, you can grab a stack of all 10 declarations. But I come back to these all the time to just see what these values remind myself, declare, oh, this is what is true, and this is my response. So I can think of a better way to close today than to declare how good he is and what our lives will look like in response with you guys. So that declaration, we're just going to read this out loud together from wherever you are. Declare this with me. The goodness of God is the core of our theology. Jesus went around doing good, and we know when we see Jesus, we have seen the Father. So today I declare, God has been good to me in all his ways. He has revealed his character in the world and made himself available to everyone. Jesus' sacrifice not only cleans me, but also brings me into his peace as a child. We know that the enemy steals, kills, and destroys, so I never have to wonder where destruction, theft, or death comes from. We know that in the end, God wins. The earth will unite with heaven, and all will be made new. Because God is good, we believe God will pour out heaven here and now through us. So today I will look to express the goodness of his kingdom through signs, wonders, healings, and prophecy to give a taste of the abundance of God and future destiny of all creation. Amen. Amen, church. It is so good to be with you. It's so good to just focus in on that God is good, that we believe him in the midst of any circumstance, that he is who he said he is. So as you guys leave the video, um, we do have an activation for you on the website. So whether you're by yourself or if you're with some people, um, get together and do go through that activation. Um, spend time in his presence. Spend time with him. Um, also, don't forget, like Laura mentioned, to sign up for God and Government class that's coming up on Tuesday. It's going to be such a sweet time of getting to just explore those questions of how am I supposed to govern according to the scriptures and how does God govern? Because that's what we want to follow. So please, guys, go to our website, sign up for that. It's going to start Tuesday the 22nd. So get in before those spots fill up. And we are just so thankful to get to continue to learn with you, to continue to grow with you, and to continue to say, God, we are after you and you alone. And we're going to be defined by what you say is true. We love you so much, church.